If you had the freedom to be anybody in the world, would you choose to be yourself? <laughs> would you choose you? You know, that's kind of a funny question because, well, actually, I guess it's not that funny because a lot of times what you see people doing is they will they'll take off their face and put on a different one. We do this sometimes. We feel in, in different settings, depending where you are and what mood you're in, we hide. We hide. We put on a little false front. What gives us the freedom as we look at this part of this series, personality, spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality? What gives us the freedom to be at home, at ease, in our own skin? Let's talk about that. From the Word of God, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Hear God's word this morning. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we pray this morning that it would also shine into our hearts. Give us a greater sense of who we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name, amen. President Lincoln was sitting and listening to some criticism from one of his colleagues, who was implying that he was duplicitous, two-faced. And he said, he quipped, he was pretty funny, by the way. Lincoln was pretty funny. He said, if I had another face, would I be wearing this one? (laughs) Evidently, he didn't like the way he looked. And there was a legend, I don't know if it's true or not, but a a girl, a young girl said he looked great in his beard, so that's why he kept the beard, because he had gotten, finally got a compliment about his face. I think some of us feel that way about our personality. We feel a little bit insecure about about who we really are, about about our personality. And sometimes I think we we try to put on a different face. Maybe maybe you're an artist or a creative type and somebody has called you you disorganized and it kind of stung. So you, you, you try to dress that up a little bit. You try to become a little bit more organized. Or maybe the organizer in you. Maybe there's an organizer in the room who who's been accused of being a control freak. And you, so you, you, you sort of tap that down a little bit. You know, you, you, you kind of tone it down a little bit. I think a lot of us, our personalities are, are a little too muted because of the feedback we've gotten about it. But then here enter social media where you can curate the self, right? The perpetual Christmas letter, right? That's what I think of it. It's like every day I'm going to show you just what I want you to see. I'm going to curate a self. 
And then, you know, Gen Z gets kind of annoyed with that. And they, they come up with this thing, or at least it sort of catches fire with this generation called Be Real. You know about this, Be Real? And it's, been, it's been out for a few years now. But it's where you get a prompt, and you're supposed to take a picture with your front and back camera, about three seconds apart, about what you're doing right when you're prompted to do it. <laughs> right when you're prompted to do it, you know. So, and so now there's a, recently there's, there's a little bit of a controversy that some people are delaying because... That, you know, maybe they're on their way to the Taylor Swift concert instead of at the Taylor Swift concert. So then they get to the Taylor Swift concert and then they take the picture, right? So it's a little bit of a hedging on this whole be real thing. What can give you the confidence, assurance to be real at all times? What, what I think we're going to see emerging from this passage this morning is that people who have the assurance and confidence to, to be real, to be known, have made peace with their past and present and future. Let's take a look. Past, present, and future. How to make peace with it. First, making peace with your past. People who are known and knowable and accessible, they've made peace with their past. Their effort, in other words, their effort is not an earning to make up for something in their past. Their efforts to serve, their efforts to engage, their efforts are not earning in order to smooth over something that is still ill at ease in them about their past. They've made peace with their past. Verse 38, you see, you know, Martha gets a bad rap in this whole thing, right? Martha, you've heard this story before. It's pretty well known. It's pretty short. It's a contrast between Martha and Mary, two sisters. Martha gets a bad rap, doesn't she? I mean, because, I mean, obviously Jesus is, is painting a little bit of a contrasting picture between their behavior. But don't skip over the first part. Verse 38, Martha opened her home to Jesus. And he counted on that. You know, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so he, here in Bethany, when he was teaching throughout Jerusalem, Bethany was, was kind of a staging area. It was sort of a home base. This was his home away from home. Mar Martha's home. Martha's home. Martha owned this home. She had made this home. Her diligence, her organization, you know, her... Her, she was probably kind of a detail hawk. You know, you know this person. You know Martha. She's the person who shows up and always has the, you know, the casserole. She's the one who, who always makes sure uh, that, that their poinsettias on, on Christmas, you know. I mean, you know Martha. You know the Marthas. And so this was somebody that, that Jesus cherished. This is somebody who Jesus knew. This is somebody who opened her home, and, and Jesus felt right at home. But she lapses. She lapses, like we all do. You, you, there are times when, when you feel a little insecure, and, and so you, you kind of go to a place that, that makes you feel a little bit more secure. You, you lapse into some kind of behavior or some kind of activity or or maybe you, you put on some other kind of persona. Maybe you play a role. 
Dallas Willard calls it hiding behind your face. Martha lapses. She begins to not just serve, but sort of serve in kind of a, a way that you might call it grandstanding. She goes out. Jesus is teaching the disciples. Mary considers herself to be one of those disciples. She's sitting at his feet, and she goes out right in front of everybody. Doesn't even speak to Mary. Mary's over here, and she's talking about Mary, talking to Mary, but she's actually saying it through Jesus. Tell her to get up and help me. She grandstands. She lapses. She begins to to take her effort, and it lapses into earning. She's not made real peace with her past. She's sort of lapsed into this performance that makes her, that gives her a sense of security again. You know, one of our, one of our other presidents, John Quincy Adams, fourth president, son of John Adams, one of the most accomplished presidents, one of the most accomplished people of his day. John Quincy Adams held more important offices than anyone in U.S. history served with distinction as president, senator, congressman, minister to major European powers. He was an ambassador. He participated in various capacities in the American Revolution, the War of 1812, the events of the Civil War. Yet at age 70, with much of that behind him, he says this, my whole life has been a succession of disappointments. <laughs> oh, Wow, doesn't that hurt? My whole life has been a succession of disappointments. Boy, you, you see somebody, some of the high flyers around you. Maybe it's you. And so much of that is just to, not just to, an effort, but an earning. An earning. He says, I can scarcely recollect a single instance of success in anything I've ever undertaken. Wow. I think that's how Mary must have felt. There was a hidden earning, a hidden earning under her efforts. It wasn't just that she was serving, that she, she had the gift of hospitality. We talked about spiritual gifts a couple weeks ago. It wasn't just that she had that and she could bless somebody with it and that she was motivated to say, hey, I've, I've got a place here. I can... It was, there was something that she was, there was something hidden that was beginning to bubble up again. A hidden earning in her efforts. Again, Dallas, Dallas Willard says, grace does not oppose our efforts, right? Grace only opposes our efforts when they lapse into earning. But people, people who can be known. Not just sort of uh, covering over who they are and who they were and what they did, but who are at ease at their, in their own skin. There's no hidden earning in their efforts. There's no hidden earning. They have made peace with their past. But people who are at home in their skin are also peaceful in the present moment. They've made peace in the present moment, with their present as well. There's a curiosity to them. They're freed up from themselves. They're freed up. They're humble. You know, that whole thing of not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. 
people who have made peace with their present are in the present moment. They're in, well, they're free to be in somebody else's moment. They're free to be curious. They're free to, to, to linger and to listen. In other words, not, not that there's no hidden earning, but there's no hidden agenda. Here's what I want you to see. I'm projecting. This is, I'm just going to curate myself. You know, I'm, you know, just like we were talking about earlier on the social media projection. Idea of, here's what I want you to see. This is the me I want you to see. I'm going to take off this face. I'm going to put on this face. Now, people have made peace with their present. They can be in somebody else's moment. They can stay curious. They can draw them out. Mary was that person. She was at peace with her present. She sat at Jesus' feet. She considered himself a disciple. Why, why were women so attracted to Jesus? You know, it says very plainly in Scripture that, that Jesus wasn't much to look at him. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, there wasn't something uh, attractive about him in his, you know, in some superficial way. Why were people, but especially women, why were they so attracted to him? And I think it, it, it's because he took them seriously. He made a place for them. They, they were elevated much more than, than women were in that day and age. I, I think a lot of what, what, what has been successful about the West is that, that the West has, because of, of Christianity, because of this, this turn, this pivot point, where women begin to be taken much more seriously for the full humanity, the full image and nature of God in which they were created, as equals. And women were attracted to that. And here's Mary listening, able, feeling, affirmed. You know, she, she, it's like if you take a $100 bill, you've probably seen this before, you take a $100 bill and you, you say, here, would you like this $100 bill? And someone says, sure, I'd love that $100 bill. And you say, well, I'm going to crumple it up. You crumple it up and you say, would you like it now? Well, of course. All right? I'm going to step on it. I'm going to put a little bit of soil on it. Do you still want it? Yes. Mary understood her past. Mary understood her present, but she knew her value. She let somebody else speak value into her life. She'd made peace with the present. I remember being in a locker room one time. I was, I was getting changed after, um, after a workout, and there were was, there was some guys in there um, who, who looked like they uh, worked out a whole lot more than I did. You know, they were uh, very cut but they were uh, they they suddenly sort of went into this uh, competitive this competitive uh, banter with each other. It was uh, it was incredible. I kid you not. Um, I I, I want to say every statement while I was there, just a few minutes. I want to say every statement. Might not have been every statement, but it felt like every statement started with one word. Can you think of what word I'm thinking of? I. I this, I that. I was like, I haven't worked out in a while, and, you know, I'm kind of sore. Well, I, I try to work out every day. Well, I, I usually try to work out every day. I mean, I've got, you know, and I, I, I usually bench press this much. Well, I, I've been benching this much. And then it just sort of, you know, it was like the testosterone just started to just sort of bubble over like a volcano. You know, like, I, 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 you know. Incredible. And, you know, you miss what you miss when you jump right out of somebody else's moment, you miss this incredible prog progression that I see when I'm sitting with couples, especially premarital couples, and we're talking about when somebody shares a thought, you know, 
they're probably not done. There's a thing under the thing, right? There's a thing, and the guys will go, there's a thing under the thing? Oh, really? There's more? You mean there's something more than what, to what she says than what she said? Yes, there's something more. <laughs> go after it. Go find it, right? I'm making fun of myself because I've been there. There's something more there? Really? Yeah. Well, how do I find it? How do I get to it? Well, you have to want to. Why don't you just try this? Say back to the person what you heard them say, and then just be quiet. Put a period at the end of it and just sit there. See what happens, right? I love doing this. Just like, do this. I, I, I sort of make people do this in my office. And um, they'll do it. And there's this tip of the iceberg and where, where you, you, you've expressed a thought, right? And, and then you mirror it back to the other person. And then all of a sudden, um, there's this magic moment where she says, because. Because, because, y'all aren't getting this. Because is like a pivot moment. It's like huge. It's like there's something more here. There's a reason why I think this. And now you're right at the waterline. And if you can be quiet a little longer, you might get under the waterline to a place of a wound or the place of a hope or dream. It's to stay in somebody else's moment. It's to have a peace in your presence so you can be present in the presence of the person who's sharing something with you. You can be fully present. And, and to have the confidence that you're not hidden, that you're not a nobody, that you're not chopped liver, that you're not irrelevant to the moment. You're there. You're fully awake and alive to that moment. And people can experience in you a a fullness of your personality without your having to say, have a, a hidden agenda. Here's who I want you to see who I am. Here's what I want you to think of me. This is what I want you to know about me. You can actually be much more knowable when you've made peace with your presence. I think this is, this is what Mary is able to do. And so people who, people who are knowable, who are accessible, who aren't hiding, they've made peace with their past. They don't have a, you know, a, a hidden earning in their effort. They've made peace with their present. They don't have a hidden agenda where they're always saying, this is how, what I want you to see or what I want you to think about me. They're not managing their PR. But people who are, are able to be knowable, known, they've made peace with their future as well. And I think this is what, what Jesus is driving at. You know, there's a, there's a haunting place in, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, many will come to me and, says, and say, Lord, Lord. You know what I'm talking about? This, this passage says, Lord, Lord, didn't we not do all these amazing things in your name? Didn't we uh, heal in your name? Didn't we serve in your name? Didn't we do all kinds of amazing things? And, and, and he says, I will say to them, depart from me, I never what? knew you. I never knew you. To be known, to be known is the thing that Jesus is driving at here with, with Martha and Mary. He knows Martha. I mean, she, she's not unknown to him, but he's trying to give her some reassurance. Martha, Martha, 
Martha, Martha. Verses 41 to 42. Martha, Martha. You, you're anxious about many, many things. But only one thing is necessary. To be known. To be known. <laughs> How amazing it is just to think that the one who is insisting that we let him know us in that moment. You see how thick it is with irony that here I am before you, vulnerably being known, the God of the universe, the one behind the holy of holies, the, the God who is, you know, the philosophers call, call him other or numinous, the one who is revealing himself. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You see the irony of this? He's saying, here I am, vulnerably revealing myself to you in the flesh. One thing is required of you. Let me know the real you. Trust me with your future, with no hidden Self-reliance. You know, I don't know if this is here, but this echoes, to me, this echoes of an Old Testament encounter. And it's, you know, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel bring a sacrifice to the Lord, and one is acceptable and pleasing and the other is not. Abel brings uh, an animal. Uh, Cain brings wheat or some, something he grew and, you know, people make all kinds of, well, I want to say hay, but I won't say that. People make all kinds of things out of those, the, the contrast between those, those two offerings. But you know what's, what, what jumps out to me when you read this in, in Genesis 4, 4, it's just, it says, Abel brought the first fruits, his very best, nothing hidden. And then it goes to, to Cain, and it, you know, Old Testament is very spare in its language sometimes, and so it's very clear. Cain brought some of his crops. What is the very best that we can bring before God? What is it that Jesus is saying is your very best? Earlier, Powell read Psalm 139 where it goes on and on and on about God's thoughts about you. About you being unhidden from him. About the rich and intricate detail with which he put you together and foreknew who you would be and all that you would be. You know, in terms of understanding that, understanding who you are, what you're like, I think it's helpful to trust in some personality profiles. I've long been suspicious of them all. I don't like being boxed into one. But I think the, the older I get, the more at ease I am about, about leaning on some of these things for insights. Um, you know, some people are... If you think of the Myers-Briggs, for example, you know, you've got four different ways of, you know, a scale, introvert, extrovert, you know, intuitive or sensing, of feeling, thinking, perceiving, judging. 
And, and you, you sort of see where you tip on this a little bit more. You know, some people might, might feel a little bit uh, put off by the idea that they're an introvert. Well, that, that, that may just mean that you, you love being with people, but it, it, it takes some effort. It's a little bit draining, whereas somebody else gets energy from being with people. That's just different in the way that you're, you're wired. You may be more social than an extrovert as an introvert, but it drains you to, to be at the party, right? Or maybe, maybe what you do at the party, instead of flitting around like with all the other extroverts, you just grab one or two people and you pull over to the corner and it's like, uh, okay, all right, let's just have a normal conversation, okay? Right? I mean, that's, that's me, right? I like, to, I like to focus a little bit. I love being with people. I, I'm a social introvert. But it is draining, and so I have to go recharge. Now, that, that, that kind of insight is, is helpful to me. I don't know. My family has opinions about what Enneagram number I am, and I'm not that interested in it. But, uh, I mean, I, I think it, it's helpful. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in their opinions. Yes, I want to know how they experience me, but I don't, I don't like it when, when I hear people reduce themselves to this particular number. Because sometimes I think what... What we're doing there is we're just saying, all right, well, this is just who I am, you know, just get used to it, okay? Uh, it's like, sort of like, uh, I'm just, uh, I just spill stuff, okay? That's just me. I'm just going to walk around and spill stuff. Tough, right? I mean, whatever it is, whatever number you happen to be, I think what's, what's good, whether you trust in these, these different personality profiles or not, to want to know the insights of how other people are experiencing you is to find a greater sense of, of security and to have, find some insights about yourself such that you can be present in other people's moments. You can put your past and not have a, a hidden earning in your efforts. And you can begin to recognize your own dependency on God, which is exactly what Jesus is driving at. No hidden earning, no hidden agenda, no hidden self-reliance, which sometimes is just so toxic, right? I'm just going to, I'm going to interact with you, but I'm not going to ever fully just be totally myself and at ease because I'm just going to hold back a little bit. I'm going to hold back and control a little bit because I want to be self-reliant like Cain. Right? Not bringing his very best, not trusting in his future with his livelihood. Like, like Mary, I mean, like Martha a little bit in this moment, holding back, self-reliant. You know, it makes me, makes me think of this, this story. Um, this kind of wraps it all up. Um, you know, when you, you, you think about these different personality profiles, you think about people who are are creative types and people who are managers and maintainers and the developers are right in the middle. Or you think about uh, task-oriented people or people-oriented people. You think about structured people or unstructured people. You know, you can begin to, to shape some categories that can help give you insight. But under all that, under all that, what Jesus is, is saying to Martha and I think to you and to me today, it's a lot like this story about this son and his mother during World War II uh, they lost uh, her husband and, and, um, and his father. And, and so it was just the two of them. And he grew up largely without a father. 
Uh, it was a, a day when, when there was no TV, but you'd listen to the radio or you'd read and you'd spend a lot of quality time together in the evenings, and they did. They developed a really special uh, relationship. She had a store, um, and, and next door to it, she had a, a downtown apartment, uh, a walk-up, I guess, uh, maybe an upstairs and downstairs. Uh, true story from a friend, friend of mine where, um, where at some point he met a woman, fell in love, and wanted to get married, and um, she offered the downstairs apartment. Just said, you know, I'll, I'll make an apartment of the upstairs, and y'all can just, you can have your own space. And, you know, the only thing I would ask is that occasionally, maybe once a week or at, at least once a month, we can get together and just and visit, you know. And it came time to, 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 to her birthday, and he went out and bought her a nice dress and his mother, for his mother, and uh, they hadn't seen each other probably in a couple of months. Even though they lived in the same building, they, they hadn't gotten together. And she gave him, he gave her the dress, and she opened it up, and she looked at it, and, and her, her smile was genuine, but there was something sort of missing from the sparkle that he expected when she opened the dress. And he said, what's the matter? You don't like it? I, I've got the sales receipt. You can take it back. It's no big deal. She said, no, no, I love the dress. He said, no, really, I know you. What's wrong? She said, well, come with me. She takes, him, takes the dress. She said, I love the dress. It's a beautiful dress. I'll wear this dress. It'll be my new favorite dress. But look, she opens her closet and said, I'm, my closet's full of dresses. I got enough dresses. She says, you know, we haven't seen each other in a couple of months, and we live in the same building. I don't want so much what you have to bring me, to give me. What I really want is you. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you that our moms, our mothers have shown us a depth of the Father's love. And we thank you that the table set before us is a measure of that love, that you would be known that in the bread and in the cup, you would make yourself known to us. A reminder that you put on flesh that human blood was pumping through your veins, that you had a life among us in our midst, that you were accessible and knowable and hurtable. And so this morning, Lord, we, we pray that you would set aside these common elements from their everyday use to a sacred purpose, that as we receive this bread, and drink from this cup, we might experience a magnificent exchange of our sin for your righteousness, making peace with our past, our present, and trusting you with our future. In Jesus' name, amen.